Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? You good? Good. It's good to see you. Um, my name's Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are in week four of our series called Road Trip, and uh, where we're just taking a journey with Jesus through the New Testament. We're making 10 stops along the way um, where Jesus had interactions with different people, and what stands out in every single one of these stories um, that we are talking about in this series is the way that people were transformed by just a simple meeting and interaction with Jesus. It's a lot like you and I, when we finally get to the place where we interact and experience Jesus, um, we're never the same. We, he changes us from the inside out in miraculous ways. And so today, um, we're going to be looking at the calling of, of Jesus's first of the 12 disciples, whose name was Peter. Um, he was a fisherman. He fished off the shores of Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But as we'll see, Peter almost misses his opportunity to play a lead role in the story that Jesus was, uh, of the story of Jesus and that Jesus was going to tell, which got me thinking this last week um, to some of the great movies of all times and how certain actors chose to pass up epic roles. Have you guys read some of those articles about art, uh, actors or actresses that got these roles and read them and decided, eh, I'm just going to pass on this and then they later regret it? Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to work our way through a few of them because these are a blast to talk about. I can't believe some of them. But the first one I want to bring up, I'm going to bring up some pictures, is, uh, is, is this guy. Um, let's bring him up. Uh, anybody know who that is? Burt Reynolds, right? He was actually offered the role of James Bond and turned it down because he said, hey, I, I just don't think the public would want an American 007. So he basically disqualified himself and instead they gave the part to this guy. You guys remember this guy? They gave it to Sean Connery, who killed it, right? Now, Burt Reynolds, not one of the smartest actors out there. He also passed up. He was the first one offered the role of Han Solo and passed it up. He said it was one of his biggest regrets of his career because Harrison Ford is still collecting checks from that one. Um, so now let's talk about Sean Connery for a second. Let's go to the next picture of Sean Connery. This is kind of what he looks like nowadays. He was actually offered to play a role in Lord of the Rings. How many Lord of the Rings fans are there out there? Any of you? Okay, there's a little bit, a few of you. Um, he was actually um, offered the role of Gandalf. And he said, I read the book. I read the script. I never understood it. I still don't understand it. And so they gave it to Ian McKellen, who looks like this. And here's the thing. If Sean Connery would have said yes, he would have made $450 million to date if he would have taken that role. And so I'm like, Sean, what is there to understand? This is very simple. Hobbit gets ring. Hobbit loses ring. Hobbit goes to find ring to save the world. Gandalf saves Hobbit, therefore the ring, therefore in the world. Sean Connery, you collect $450 million. It's not that hard to really understand. Um, but so, so, so he missed out on a big opportunity, later said, hey, I regret not taking the role. Duh, okay? Here's another one. How about this guy? You know who this guy is? John Travolta. John Travolta was the original actor selected to play Forrest Gump. And he turned it down and they gave it to this guy which I love. I love it. Tom Hanks, you've seen it. Could you imagine somebody other than Tom Hanks being Forrest Gump? Wouldn't that have been weird? Wouldn't that have been weird to say, gosh, John Travolta said it was one of his regrets of his career was passing up on that because Forrest Gump would go on to win six Oscars that year, um, Forrest and Janae. So uh, let's look at two more. Um, we've got the next one is, yell it out, yell out loud. 
It's the Fresh Prince, not Will Smith. It's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He was actually the original actor cast as Neo in the Matrix movie. How crazy is that? So, uh, so what he did, he passed it up, and they chose this guy, right? They put this guy in it. Iconic movie. Will Smith said he read the script, he heard the pitch, and he said it was too difficult to understand. He just couldn't see it, so he said no. All right, last one is this guy. You guys know who this is, right? Yep, Jim Carrey. He was actually the original actor that was cast for the movie Elf. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He turned it down because he was busy with other projects, and uh, they gave it to this guy. They gave it to Buddy the Elf, actually. Um, and it's like, can you imagine that movie without Will Ferrell in it? No. It's like, that was just the perfect one. Now, why show you all of these missed opportunities where these actors just disqualified themselves or just passed on blockbuster movies? Because what we're going to find out today is the Apostle Peter, who we're going to be talking about today, almost did the same thing. He almost did the thing. He, he almost disqualifies himself from the opportunity to play a lead role in one of the most epic stories of all times. And you and I have the potential to do the same. So as we go through our road trip story today, I want to pull out three keys to walking with God, three facets of having a relationship with Jesus that will help all of us grow on our spiritual journey. And if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you're checking out the Jesus thing, um, maybe today will help you understand just a little bit more of what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus and become someone who, is, who would be called a disciple of his. Now, before I get into the story, um, let me set the scene. We're in the book of Luke, third gospel of uh, the story of Jesus. You've got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For those of you that took the challenge at the beginning of this series of reading through the gospels, you should be in, uh, in the book of Matthew in the 20s or something. Chapters should be right in there if not done with Matthew. How many of you are on track that took the challenge? All right, we got a few of you. How many of you took the challenge and you're a little behind, but you're going to catch up this week? Ah, see, I gave you a chance there. That's good. Good job. You guys, make sure you catch up. Jesus just heard you do that. He saw your hand go up, so don't let him down. I'm just kidding. Isn't that terrible? Um, church guilt. Okay, so uh, third gospel in the story of Jesus. Um, as far as Luke goes, here what, here's what you need to know about Luke. Luke was a doctor, very accurate historian. He wrote his book towards a classic Greek audience, non-Jews. They were very, very skeptical people. Um, and, and, and so uh, as a group, they didn't really know who God was or who Jesus was. And so he wrote this book with historical accuracy, almost challenging them to go check it out. He's like, look, I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. And you can go check it out and you can dis discover for yourself that what I'm writing happened. So Luke 1, 1 through 4, Luke is talking about this book he wrote. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus or most honorable Kevinus. So you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Thought that'd be more funny. Wasn't that funny? I'll just take it off for next service. Um, so, so Luke is basically saying, I put these stories under the microscope, carefully looked at everything in the beginning, from the beginning, and here is the results of my work. So let me give you the setting of this particular story we're going to read. Jesus had just begun his public ministry, 30 years old, had no disciples yet. 
goes out into the wilderness to be tempted. We talked about that week one. You can watch the service at our, on our website, kensingtonorlando.org. Uh, you can watch it there if you, if you weren't here for that week. He then comes back from the wilderness to a town called Nazareth where, he, where, he, uh, where he, he lived. He then went to a city called Capernaum on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And while teaching in a synagogue there one day, he actually um, uh, healed a man possessed of a demon. Words swept throughout all the surrounding villages in the entire region, and Jesus goes from, uh, from, from like a, a teacher uh, that people maybe had heard about, this new guy on the block, to all of a sudden he's got rock star status overnight. Like literally, everyone's like, he did what? And so what happens is people from all over the countryside brought friends and relatives to Jesus to be healed, and the Bible says that no matter what their disease or their affliction was, Jesus healed them. He did this everywhere he went, everywhere he teaches. Thousands of people find him, follow him, and gather there in awe of his wisdom and the authority that he speaks with. And that's the backdrop of our story. It's at the beginning of his ministry. People are flocking to hear this man teach and heal them. In Luke 5, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who he would later rename Peter. So whenever we say Simon, we're talking about Peter, who we're talking about in this story. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So this is most probably um, Simon's or Peter's first chance to really be up close to Jesus. And get this, he's listening from like five or ten feet away. Like this is one of the most epic teachers of all times, and Peter's like in the boat with him. Um, how awesome would that have been, right? In fact, so just to give you the setting to get this in your mind, um, uh, here's a picture of the shoreline of Capernaum, um, and you can see the little people there, um, but this is right in on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, if you can just imagine uh, a little boat being right off the shore there, and that whole entire hillside just full of people listening to what Jesus taught. Melissa and I, we had the privilege of going to Israel uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, and it it was amazing to walk where Jesus walked and to actually be on that like beach. It's all rocks, but it's like a beach and just go, wow, Jesus quite possibly could have been right out there in a boat um, talking to thousands of people as they just filled that entire uh, hillside. Now, over the next three verses, we find our first key to walking with God. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And so here's one of the the first keys I want to share with you to just walking with God, something to understand if you're going to have a relationship with Jesus and kind of how God's economy works. And it's this, obedience always precedes blessing. Obedience always precedes blessing. If there's one thing I know about all of us in this room, if we sat down um, eye to eye, knee to knee over a cup of coffee, um, there's one thing I can guarantee you about your life. If I were to ask you if you want God's blessing in your life, what would be your answer? Yeah, is that how you would say it? If I were sitting there with you and I say, do you want God's blessing in your life? What would you say? 
Yes, because all of us want God's blessing. We all want the blessed life. Well, in God's economy, obedience always precedes blessing, even when what God is asking us to do goes against conventional wisdom. And that's why I love this interaction with Simon. First off, Jesus chose Simon's boat, asked him to put off from shore. Do you realize Simon could have turned him down? He could have said, I'm tired. I'm done for the day. Um, Why don't you use Jimmy's boat over there? He'll do anything. You know, it's like he could have totally done it. He says, okay. Peter ends up getting a front row seat to a teaching from Jesus, and all of a sudden, all the people can hear and see Jesus better. Everybody gets blessed in that one simple little act of obedience. But then it goes a little bit deeper because Jesus says, Simon, put out into the deep waters and let down your nets. And I love what Peter says. Peter says, look, Jesus, (laughs) I'm an expert. I've been doing this my whole life. You can talk to any fisherman on this shoreline. If you've been fishing all night and you don't catch anything, you're not going to catch anything right now. And so he's just saying, look, Jesus, look, you're a wood guy. I'm a fish guy. You stick to wood, I'll stick to fish. Like, that's what Peter's really saying. He's like, I know, I'm the expert. And he's saying, I'm tired. We've almost already done, we're almost done cleaning our nets. I really don't want to. And I'm just telling you, this is so many of us when it comes to obeying God. This is where we are. We are like Peter. God asks us to do some pretty unconventional things. What does he say? He says, don't lie. Even when you lie to keep somebody from experiencing pain or if it's a tiny little one and it's not going to do any harm, um, never stretch the truth and I'll bless you. Jesus says, look, don't have sex before you marry someone, and I'll bless you. Pretty unconventional in our day and age of try before you buy. Forgive your enemies. Don't get even. Don't do anything to harm them. Forgive them. Let vengeance happen on God's timeline, and I'll bless you. Give away 10% of your income to God, and I'll bless you. If someone hurts you, go directly to them and work it out with them. Don't tell anybody else uh, and and cause relational problems with a group of people. Just go directly to them one-on-one, and I'll bless you. Don't gossip and spread rumors and do the Christian gossip. Is Well, we need to pray for Monica. Did you hear what she did? Like, that's Christian Christian gossip we do in a prayer. Uh, It's like, don't do that. Don't worry about anything. Just pray and ask God to help. That's unconventional. We are worry machines in our country. Come to church. Be connected to a spiritual community. Every chance you get, make time for it on a weekly basis, and I'll bless you. Give your life away for my sake, and you'll actually find life, and it will bless you. I think when it comes to obeying what God tells us to do, a lot of us are like Peter. Well, God, I know what you're saying, but I, I'm an expert here. I, I'm, I, you know, doing that old-fashioned stuff, I, I can't. Here are five reasons why that doesn't make sense financially, God. Here are five reasons why that doesn't make sense relationally. Um, here's five reasons why that won't work career-wise. God, let me just tell you why what you're asking me to do won't work, but not Peter. While he does say what we would probably all think, he then says a key phrase to unlocking God's blessing in your life. If you want God's blessing in your life, there's four words that you need to get used to saying and say from your heart, because you say so. That's what Peter says to God, to Jesus. He says, but because you say so. Jesus, this makes no sense. This is unconventional. This is a waste of my time, but because you say so, I'll do it. And what happens? Blessing abundance, an overflow of fish that they can't even keep in their boats without sinking. 
some of us in here right now, we want God's blessing, but we're unwilling to obey. And I'm just telling you, if you want to unlock that blessing, obedience always precedes it. See, one of the realities you find in Scripture and with God is that while his love and salvation, unconditional. His love, he will never, never love you less because of something you've done because he already loves you so much that he was willing to give his son in your place to die on the cross. Salvation, unconditional. His blessings are not. They're tied to obedience. Jesus tells us in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do what? Yeah, it is a little bit soft there. Um, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey. obey it. If you obey it, you're what? Blessed. Part of the Christian journey is getting to the point, maturing to the place in your journey with, with Christ where you are a because you say so follower of Jesus. That's just you, you, because you say so, I will do it, Jesus. Because you say to forgive my enemies, I will. Because you say not to have sex with someone until I'm not married, until uh, that I'm not married to, I won't, until we get married. Because you say don't worry but pray, I will. Because you say to serve in church in K-Kids or set up and tear down specifically, I will. Shameless plug, by the way. Because you say to help the poor and the needy, I will go out of my way to help someone today. One of the Christian authors and speakers that I really enjoy hearing, Erwin McManus, he gave a great way to, to measure spiritual maturity because I think a lot of people go, I'm spiritually mature, I go to church and, and I know lots of stuff. Um, he just said, hey, here's how you measure, measure spiritual maturity. You measure spiritual maturity by the speed of obedience, which I thought was fantastic. The more spiritually mature you are, the shorter the gap is between when you realize that God is telling you to do something and you do it. So because you say so is one of the keys to unlocking God's blessing in your life. And I say that from experience. And I'll just tell you this. Melissa and I have experienced more blessing in our life than we deserve, not because we're super holy, not because we're perfect, not because we're super good looking, which Melissa is. Um, I, I, I really believe we're blessed in our life because uh, at, at a very early time in our walk together as followers of Christ, we became, because you say so, followers of Jesus Christ. And I look at our life and I'm like, my gosh, we are blessed in our finances. We're blessed in our relationships. We're blessed in our marriage. We're blessed in our parenting. We're blessed uh, in moving to Florida 10 years ago to start, to start Kensington because God said so. It's been blessing after blessing after blessing. And it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen or everything works out perfectly all the time. But what, but, but what we have seen from God in our life firsthand is his blessings overflow into our lives. One of the keys to walking with God is obedience always precedes blessing. So where in your life today do you need to say to God, because you said so? And just kick that around. Now, this gets us to Peter's response um, to this experience of catching all these fish, which is really interesting. Um, you would think he would be jumping up and down and going, woo, this is awesome. I love every bit of this. I'm just excited, blown away, high-fiving Jesus, like hugging him, picking him up, you know, doing the whole deal, running around with his buddies. But that's not Peter's response. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the next two disciples called, right in the next moment, Simon's partners. And this brings up a second key to the Christian journey for us from this story. It's that seeing Jesus reveals our sinfulness. 
Seeing Jesus reveals our sinfulness. In this moment of absolute blessing, Peter sees Jesus for who Jesus really is. And he sees for the first time how godly and powerful and loving and holy Jesus is. And at the same time, he sees how unrighteous he himself is. And he's overwhelmed. He realizes how unworthy he is to be in the presence of Jesus. And his response to Jesus is, go away. I'm sinful. Go away. I'm not worthy. Go away. I am unfit to be in your presence. Go away. I am not the kind of people you should be hanging around with, Jesus. Just leave me. And what's happening here is a part of the journey of every follower of Christ. It's this realization and acknowledgement of the reality of our own brokenness and sinfulness. It's part of everybody's journey that comes to Jesus, this acknowledgement that I'm a sinner. I've done things that are outside of what God wants me to do. I've chosen to go my own way instead of God's. It's not possible to truly come to Christ without this moment of realization that Peter's having. And his knee-jerk reaction is, is okay, I, I'm so bad. I don't belong here. I don't measure up. I'm such a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. In the presence of a man who could do miracles like this. So Jesus, I'm damaged goods. Leave me. And this is where I think you and I can relate to, Jesus, to, to Peter in this moment. I have heard my entire ministry career over 25 years, people say, God can't use me. God won't use me. I'm not good enough. I'm no pastor. I can't lead in the church. There are plenty of people better than me to do what God needs done. He surely wouldn't choose me. And I've watched so many people walk away from the lead role in a story that God wants to write through their life. They're just like an actor that looks at this incredible script and goes, eh, I'm going to pass. Who disqualifies themselves. I've seen people who love Jesus disqualify themselves because they believe the lies that they're not worthy, that they're not able, that they're not capable of being used by God. That's Peter. And maybe that's you today. You feel that way. You, you feel unusable by God. You feel um, unworthy. You feel like you're damaged goods. Like there's some things in your past that just God can't even get over. Or there's some things that you're holding on to that you can't let go of. And you're just like, well, this is going to disqualify me until I let this go. But with Jesus, that's not the end of the story. In fact, it's at this point that the beauty of the gospel, the story of Jesus is revealed. Because Jesus looks at Peter and says, actually, Peter, you're the perfect person I need. You're the perfect person for me to use. Then Jesus said to Simon, verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And this is so powerful for you and I, because Jesus says, Peter, not only do I want to be near you, but actually you're the one that I need. Those are two very powerful things because sometimes we feel like when we mess up or when we've screwed up or because of our path, like Jesus won't even come close to us, let alone use us. And, and, but in here, Jesus is saying, no, Peter, I want to be near you and I want to be so near you that I, I actually need you to follow me. I want you to come with me. You're exactly who I want to use. And I believe today there's some of you in here that you have decided based on your current life and lifestyle that God can't use you. 
You've already made the decision that you're unworthy, that you couldn't be used by God, that God doesn't even want to be near you. And you've been saying no to the lead story, lead role in the story that Jesus wants to write through your life. You've been resisting it because you feel unworthy and unable to be used by Jesus, but that couldn't be further from the truth. God has a mission for you, a calling that he has placed on your life from before you were born. It's still there now. You are not disqualified from it. You are actually designed for it. You're not disqualified from the role that God has for you. You are actually designed for it. And if you don't take it, if you don't take up whatever God has for you to do, no one else is designed for the role that he has for you, which gets me to my third key. Um, And I made it rhyme to help us remember a little bit, but it's this, when I finally bend my knee, Jesus will call me. When I finally bend my knee, Jesus will call me. When Peter got on his knees and said to Jesus, I'm a sinful man, I'm unworthy, I don't deserve being here, I believe that's when Jesus said, that's why you're my guy. That's why you're it. That's why I'm choosing you. As he gets on bended knee, he humbles himself before Jesus. Jesus calls Peter to a new way of life, a new mission to start fishing for people. And Peter goes on to become the lead disciple of the 12 disciples. Like, here's this guy that says, Jesus, I'm so bad, just leave me. He actually becomes a lead, lead disciple, leaders of the Christian movement after the death and resurrection of Jesus. His story is told around the world. This fisherman who believed he was unworthy of Jesus. Now, how did it start? It started with a simple act of obedience. It started by him just putting out from shore started with him going out into the deep, even though it's unconventional. It started with this humble acknowledgement of his sinfulness. It started with, with, this, with this response to Jesus, which led to a life calling into a role that forever changed his life. And so I want to show you a story um, from a class we do here, here called Alpha, which is a class that's done worldwide uh, for anyone who has questions about God um, and and wants to know who Jesus is and how he can change your life. It's done everywhere we do it here. It's a nine-week class. And this story um, is about a man who went from the worst of the worst, charged for attempted murder, and becomes a follower of, of Jesus with a mission for his life. And as you watch his story, I want you to look for the keys that we talked about today in his story. And with the song after the video, I want to encourage you to just listen to the voice of God and see if there's anything that he has specifically for you um, for today. And uh, as we watch the beginning of this uh, video, we're actually going to receive our offering. So ushers, if you guys can come on down, um, we are going to receive our offering. And for those of you that are new to Kensington, you're visiting, you're here for the first couple of times, um, let the basket go by. We're not interested in your resources or your finances. We're just grateful that you're here. Uh, this service is actually our gift to you. Um, and so thank you for being here today. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. Um, and we just say thank you. We trust you with our finances. And it is truly an act of obedience where God says, hey, if you give to me, you just wait and see how much I'll give to you. It's one of those, one of those um, promises and one of those blessings where God says it's a, what you give is directly attached to what I give, uh, which is fantastic. So for those of you that are generous at giving, thank you for doing that. Thank you for your obedience. It keeps us on mission. And so while we're finishing that up, let's go ahead and hear this story. I got in with the wrong crowd and I started to um, pinch cars, burgle houses, uh, become known, me and my friends become known as very high profile thieves really. I used to carry big knives, uh, the, the big knives to the smaller knives down my waist and I was the kind of person where if you pulled a knife out, 
I would use it. I ended up stabbing someone in the head. I ended up um, stabbing someone just missing his heart and going through the top of his shoulder, uh, the, the top of his chest and his shoulder away. He dropped to the floor, and so I was on the run for two attempted murders. And then I was just, when I went to prison, I had such a hatred for the system, and I couldn't handle being told what to do, couldn't handle prison officers mucking me about. When I went out on association, I got to prison officer and I, uh, I stabbed him. And then this led to me going into maximum security prisons, being put on CSC. It's where they feed you through a hatch in the door. There's no physical contact. So they have to have ride shields and ride gear on. Um, and that was my life for a long, long time, basically. And I, I just was going from prison to prison, prison to prison. But then I ended up going to Long Larton in Worcestershire. And when I was in there, I ended up going in an alpha course. Never heard of an alpha course, didn't know anything. And I just remember walking in because they'd sent me down. I sat down on a chair and I thought, oh no, it's a Christian thing. And we'd just go there every week and I would argue. And the pastor, um, I remember he come to me. He said, right, I'm going to say a few scriptures first before we pray. And one of them was, no one's righteous, not one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then he said the verses about Jesus and explained a bit why he died on the cross for sinners and stuff. And then he said, pray. So I started praying. And I said, uh, God... God, if you're real, come into my life because I hate who I am. And nothing happened. But then, as I was talking to the pastor, I started to feel this energy feeling in my stomach. And it started to raise up and raise up and raise up and raise up. And I just broke out into uncontrollable um, tears. And I just sobbed. <clears throat> and I just... Because that was a change in my whole life. I knew God was real. Um, and no one will change that now. And then I remember <laughs> running on the wing. People clearly knew that I would become a Christian. So I actually helped them on another two Alpha courses. And then I, um, I got released. I've been in a prison where I... Because you would have thought that the prison where I stopped the prison officers would have been the last prison to have me. But they were the first, that's how God works. The best thing for me is going in prisons and helping the lads in prison and, and trying to tell them about God. I've got um, four kids and then my life. Um, and what upsets me is because now I know um, that back then, if I had the kids, uh, they wouldn't have had a good upbringing. And now they sit on the night and have Bible studies with their dad. Um, <clears throat> Bible studies with a dad, have a life, the beautiful, um, and my life, and this probably is my wife and my kids are the best gift, that, apart from the grace God's given me, is the best gift I've ever, they'll ever give me.
truth of a thousand lies. So let mercy come and wash away. Uncertainty, so let mercy come and wash away. saying to us this morning is just would you bend your knee to me would you bend your knee to me and as you do you'll find out my will for your life as you bring to me all that you've done not disqualifying yourself but stepping up to me and bend your knee you'll find out you'll find out what I have for you, the mission that is for your life, you'll find a life worth living, which is what he promises to those who will give up their lives for him. It's just like the guy in the video. It's like he finally just came to face with where he was truly at. And when he turned to Jesus, rather than Jesus walking away, Jesus just embraced him. And so as we head into a time of response and worship, um, there are some questions that I would love for you to just work through over the next 10, 15 minutes of the rest of our service. And the first is this, it's just what areas of your life right now do you need to say to God because you said so? 
just process through that. Where do you know? You know God's asking you to obey and you know blessings on the other side of it. You just haven't gotten to the point where you've just, because you said I'll do it, because you've got all the reasons of conventional wisdom as to why you haven't yet. So what areas do you need to do that in? You know, another thing to process through is maybe it's time for you to stop disqualifying yourself from the mission that God has for you where he wants to build his kingdom through you and you say yes to the calling that God has and you're going, well, I don't know what that calling is. Well, bend your knee. Just say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Just let me know. And that's what God's looking for. That's, that's literally what, what Peter did. He just got on his knees and said, I'm so sinful. Just get away from me. And Jesus says, no, you're exactly who I want to be with. Come follow me. And maybe it's time for you to just push past the feelings of unworthiness, that you're too sinful and realize that that's exactly, you're exactly who God wants and needs to fulfill the mission that he has for you. So what is he asking you and challenging you to do right now that you might already know what he wants you to do? And maybe today is a day where you can say, okay, Jesus, I'll do it. Or maybe you're here and it is your day to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today's your day where you acknowledge your sin and you invite Jesus into your life. Today's your day to be transformed by a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me, um, everybody in the room? And I just want to invite you, if that's you, if today's your day to step across the line of faith and invite Jesus in. You just borrow my words, make them, make them yours. Say them from your heart to God. You don't need to say them out loud. You can just say, God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at. Today, for the first time, I want to invite Jesus into my life. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. He was raised three days later, defeating death. And I choose to follow him. Please forgive me of my sins. And send me the power of the Holy Spirit right now to help me live my life for you. I surrender my life to you today in your holy name.